What's going on, everybody? It is the Cardboard Coaches, episode three. Howdy. How's everybody doing? It's the cartel and the coach. Coach Go How's here. So today we're going to talk a little bit about grading because it seems like grading is the only way that you uh, make decent money in sports card collecting. Let's go for it, man. Uh, let's see. Let's but before we talk about the grading, uh, Brandon, we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we might talk about your mustache at some point. I mean, but, we, we can. We can. But, uh, but let's talk about the fact that you had a tough day yesterday. You moved. And uh, that, that is always, hey, this, uh, there may be a mustache accompanying you very, very we soon. Gotta, we got to do the, the Mo podcast. Yep, it is November. Um, you moved yesterday. Uh, that is. can be quite a stressful experience for a collector. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, it's stressful in general. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the experience uh, for a collector moving their collection and uh, what the considerations were, if there were any. Yeah. What do you think? So first off, my girlfriend wanted to kill me because uh, the only thing I cared about was moving those cards as efficiently and safely as possible. That's the priority. <laughs> didn't care about the breakables, didn't care about the TV, those cards were the first thing that left my old place and the first thing in my new place. So that being said, um, luckily enough, I got the keys a little earlier and by keys, I mean the keys to my new place. Beautiful. So what I did was I didn't move it at the same time. I moved everything else because I knew inevitably, no matter how much I tried to prioritize them on moving day, you know, something would have happened. And even if they're in cases, even if they're graded, you know, uh, it, those, those cases are indestructible. And the last thing you want to do is chip a case or chip several cases or scratch some of the cards that you're, you know, maybe on the fence about grading. And uh, so I threw them in a, a box. I, you know, tightly knit. I put some bubble wrap which you know if you're sending cards out you you have that by the bunches and uh, I really just made sure to take care of them as best as possible I walked them over uh, honestly during my walk over it started to rain and oh. so I had to make some decisions whether I was going to run with the cards and risk them rattling around or if I was just going to uh, create a crazy internally rotated position where I'm just going to be essentially the tent for these cards and uh, I chose the latter and I'm happy to report they came safe and sound and they're sitting right behind me actually and that's the other uh, that's the, the other great thing when you move is it's another opportunity to reorganize uh, go over things I'm sure I think the next couple of days you're probably going to do that you're probably going to kind of uh, uh, reorganize and and put things in the in the places where they should be and it's an opportunity to kind of go over them as well Ironically enough, I actually spent most of today doing that. I, I, met, I spent most of today uh, staring vigorously at the cards that I was considering subbing. I was yep. staring at the cards that uh, maybe got overlooked before that they were at the back of the pile or, you know, some rookies that have come up since, you know, I, when I first started collecting three months ago and, you know, maybe now they, they hold value and we're having serious considerations on whether or not to grade them. Yeah, you got you to gotta go in every once in a while. And uh, again, as long as you're holding on to base cards and base rookie cards, you can always go back. I have a section on my page, the, the, the deep dive. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I was doing a lot of that towards the end of the season. You get call-ups and you get people that start performing late in the season and you go back and you realize you've, you've got a stack of their rookie cards and now they are a lot more desirable and potentially something you may even want to grade. So that that's always a good thing to go back and take a look at for sure. Yeah, and so, yeah, when it comes to the, uh, we, I guess we're going to focus a little bit on the, in the realm of grading. Um, today, we, we ourselves have subs that are out that we're waiting for. I think probably half of the community has subs out right now that they're waiting for <laughs> with PSA and, and that sort of thing. And you mentioned, yeah, if you, if you want to be making a, a decent return, listen, uh, everyone finds their niche and, and a lot of people can be creative and there are some people making money's uh, making money in very uh, interesting, unique ways. But of course, traditionally you're going to maximize the value of your collection and maximize your return with grading. So I guess we should cover kind of all those bases uh, because that can also be a very intimidating topic and a very confusing topic, I notice, for a lot of people on uh, social media and in the community. Let's get it. So let's do it. So, um, I myself, uh, I think this is your year of getting into grading. Yeah, 100%. I myself would say my year of getting into grading was probably closer to 1997. Uh, and back then, uh, not a lot of people know this, so I'm going to be the old man telling stories today. I was four. Um, what's that? I was four. There you go, right? So <laughs> you, uh, you were chewing on a, a, a soft uh, puck of some sort, uh, like a puck toy, and I was... Uh, 100%. So um, the first company that I graded with was SGC, and a lot of people know SGC now as this potential alternative that's been out there for a little while. Uh, they are, I believe, the same company. They may have new ownership. But back in the day, Sports Card Guarantee was uh, a very prominent grading company. They had a different case. It still had that black border that people like. They sometimes call it the tuxedo. And they had a grading scale from 1 to 100, with SGC 98 being uh, the gem mint grade equivalent to a 10. So a lot of people uh, don't, don't realize that there was a pristine grade before Beckett came along, and that was SGC 100. And that was another reason why some people might want to grade with the SGC instead of PSA. But PSA was the king from the start. Uh, when eBay popped up first around, you know, 95, 96, there were PSA cards that were basically dictating the market. And I don't know if a lot of people know uh, Keith Olbermann, who is a sports personality. He's also very political these days. Um, he was one of the first people out on eBay with their gigantic collection of graded slabs. He must have had some sort of deal with PSA. Uh, to this day, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because the guy did a lot for the hobby in terms of introducing grading to us and, and its importance. Uh, but I think a lot of people lost a lot of money during that period of time. Uh, think of the cards that were being traded, Sosa's, uh, Griffey's, Maguire's, uh, mostly in baseball. That was the most popular sport that was getting graded and there weren't many people offering it. So those guys were making a lot of money to say the least and they were dictating the trend. So if Olbermann dumped out a bunch of 87 Maguire rated rookies in PSA form, people got excited, the market reacted. He himself would boost it. Uh, he didn't have social media back then. It would be through potentially ESPN, through some of his journalistic sources. He'd say, hey, Mark McGuire rookie cards. Next thing you know, he puts his McGuire cards on the market and you kind of have a pump and dump kind of thing going on. Although at the time, McGuire was playing well. This was pre-steroids, right? 
So uh, around 97, 98, again, uh, don't quote me on the exact time that they opened up, but Beckett joined the market. Uh, thicker, impressive looking cases with subgrades, that was new. The concept of a pristine grade, like I said, was not new. SGC was doing that before them, but it certainly gave collectors something to look forward to. And it was very exciting, despite the fact that personally, I thought that was a bit of a strange conflict of interest that a company that produced a grading uh, guide was now kind of, uh, sorry, yeah. a pricing guide was now yeah. grading and pricing your cards. Yeah. So I kind of had some doubts. Uh, their service was fantastic. I remember the first card I sent them was an OPG Premier Yarmir Yager. I got a 9.5. Um, and it was great. Uh, and it, it stuck and it's still here. It is still pretty much known as the number two company. I suppose you could say SGC is number three. Are there any other companies you've encountered or that you've seen that as someone who's new to the grading game that you've noticed or? Yeah, GMA. GMA. And, and again, what upon first glance, like I could tell you about GMA, but upon first glance, what did you think of it? Garbage. So I've seen a few of them uh, like rattling around in their case which is exactly what you don't want your, your like most valuable card to do. You know, like one of the reasons why you put it in a case is because, you know, it's, it's basically stuck like that for life. You know, you're like, this is now its own trophy case within, Sad. you know, within this capsule. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to send this to a company where they send it back and it could easily drop two or three grades just from shipping it back, man. Like, yeah, GMA is, uh, again, I, I don't know a lot about their company specifics, but uh, it's the type of card that you sometimes see floating around at shows or online. Uh, they don't command any sort of premium. The argument could have been made back in the day that at least they provide some source of protection. But like you just said, it's not even a great source of protection. Nope. And in a lot of ways, quite frankly, you could put a nice card in one of those cases and it will actually put me off because there's no there's nothing supporting giving it any sort of um, price bump or yeah. more desirability. Yeah. Uh, there's also some other companies in Canada, KSA and MNT. KSA has been around a long time. I mean, they certainly have the tenure um, and they were sort of Canada's go-to source. I know a lot of vintage back in the 90s and the early 00s got sent their way because of that. They were more accessible. Don't forget, PSA requires a membership. And as a kid, when I was younger, it was also, it was very intimidating because all the adults had their PSA yeah. and some guys my age, we were messing with Beckett because you could just send it out and get it back. But, you know, you, the most impressive cards that you saw, generally speaking, vintage cards, like mantle cards, Gretzky cards were encased in PSA. And it almost felt like you couldn't even, it was unreachable because you had to be, it was a membership, it was a society. And no one was really helpful in terms of trying to it, because quite frankly, why would they be? They had a good yeah. thing going. Yeah. Um, so it was almost like a mystery to, to, to get to PSA. So whenever there was a local show or anything like that, people would use KSA and other companies like that. But there are two things that ultimately dictate the reality. You look at cards in the cases and you come to a conclusion about the standards of these companies. And then you look at eBay and you look at price guides and you come to a conclusion about what is this company going to do for the pricing of my cards? Yeah. And uh, especially in this past year, just using hockey as an example, I did a whole deep dive into the Nikita Kucherov uh, Young Guns rookie card. There are huge gaps that are starting to form now between PSA and VGS. 
Now I know for someone new to the grading game, like it's quite clear, like you are sticking with PSA, right? Yeah. Does it even cross your mind to use Beckett at this point? No. Not really. Just and, and the only reason why is it's just it's such a big price difference. Also because PSA, it's like uh, unless it's PSA, no one even wants to. I mean, you might be able to. I mean, you will be able to sell it um, on eBay or secondary market, but like. Some people, even if it's a nine or 9.5 Beckett, they won't even, they don't want to talk. They don't even want to talk about it, especially if it's a modern car. Like if it's a little bit older then people can kind of understand, but like if it's a modern car and they see like a, a nine and a half, it's just, it's something about that 10 man. It's something about that red label that just like you, that it sets the standard. So if someone's yeah. like, if I'm going after, let's say a, an Austin Matthews young gun, right? Like, and I, it's like, this is the card I want. I mean, ultimately one of the reasons why you have that card is for clout straight up, right? Is, is to show this thing off. And right. like, what sounds nicer, like a PSA 10 or a, a Beckett BGS 9.5, you know what I mean? And like, sometimes they're the same card. Like it's exactly the same card because there's not much different. Like sometimes there's not much difference between that nine and a half and like a 10. Like I've seen some PSA tens that I'm like, you know, maybe that corner's a little soft or like 100% real on the top. You know what I mean? And because there's no nine and a half drop for a PSA, it's straight up nine or 10. They have that discretion of like either bumping it up or bumping it down. And if they bump it up, then you're sitting in holy water. Yep. There, there, you know, it's no slight, on Beckett by any means. And I have a lot of Beckett grading yeah, no, cards. For sure. But um, at this point, what I find, even with myself, when I'm looking through cards, I'm very strict when it comes to the cards I'm going to send to PSA. Whereas I think you noticed that when I was going through some of my cards, yeah. particularly with some base parallels in the tops baseball series, so difficult to find them perfect, right? And if I see a card that's, you know, 90% of the way there, chances are I'm going to put that aside for Beckett. Uh, because I think that even if it fails in one of the subgrades, it may still be able to garner a gem mint. And that is why I think there is that price discrepancy. But let's not lose sight of the truth. I mean, you, you can, I can show you one of my Matthews in a PSA 10 that doesn't look good as one of my BGSs that have very high subgrades. Like literally, you'll look at them and you'll prefer the BGS, sure. but you'll also be thrown by the fact that you want the PSA, right? So, you know, and, and there is the fact that Beckett pricing is pretty high in terms of individual cards yeah as well yeah and um like in terms of if we're talking return on investment which is like essentially like all anyone cares about straight up right like i mean obviously collecting is important but like you want to you want your cards to appreciate you don't want to buy a card and then like it, it loses money and if you're talking about making the most on your investment i the, the, the avenue is quite simple man it's it's 100 psa you know what i mean yeah. And again, you know, it's it's always good to have that option and to play the field, so to speak, because if you have a card you feel may wind up a nine, but has a shot at a nine five, look, here's the reality. A nine five will go for more. 100%. But there are some pages, uh, you know, we we mentioned Lameem James recently, uh, and he's back. He was yeah. gone for a little while. Well, People were panicking. Well, yeah. People were crying. There there was there were the several hunger strikes. I can't so believe he only has eight followers. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, he's like, back. Uh, he's the nice, nicest guy, man, and yeah. uh, he's funny as hell. And uh, he's pointed out he also does actually look. The reason why I recommended him to you and many other uh, new collectors is not just because he's funny, 
Because first of all, you have to kind of know the hobby to get some of those jokes, but he also provides useful information. And the, some of the useful information that he provided was that um, he noticed in the basketball market, some PSA 9s were creeping up on BGS 9.5s. And that's where it's at, unfortunately, for Beckett. But, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the, the other thing to consider is just kind of uh, personal, personal preferences. Like you tend to see more hockey cards graded in Beckett holders. I think that's because Beckett really had a big foothold in Canada for the expos and the shows. And you could do what was called the raw card review, get your cards pre-graded. Uh, if you wanted them to take them home uh, to the States, they would and case them for you. So that was always a good option. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love learning about the history of uh, the hobby. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. If you go online and, and I have some, uh, I could share with you the next time I see, I could show you. The gold label? Yeah, the card saver yeah, 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 and put yeah. a sticker on it. Yeah. And um, that's a whole other conversation. I'll tell you this. Uh, if you see that on eBay, it's generally a good buy because you're going to get it cheaper for the case. And in my experience, 100% of the time, I'm receiving the grade on the sticker or higher. Uh, but they will tell you that it could sometimes be lower because remember, it's the raw card review at the time that they got the card. So do you just send that in afterwards? Yeah, you basically, so it gets criticized because a lot of people are like, oh, they're double dipping. They're, they're making twice the amount of money off of you. But the, there, there's so many useful ways to use the raw card review. If you're at a show, there's a card in, uh, in question, particularly an expensive card, and you're trying to get a price based on grade and you need that third party right away, head over to the booth, get that raw card review done, and that will probably help with the transaction. That's so dope. Um, and then when you're done and, and, it, and they charge you just about what it costs to case a card, you can give it to them, pay them again, and they will put it in the case for you. And they don't guarantee the grade that's on the sticker. But I'm telling you again, after several years, 100% of the time I get the grade or higher that's on the sticker. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting concept that they have. I think PSA may be introducing it or they were about to. Everything's changed now with covid uh, so we don't know if that's going to be the case or not. That actually transitions nicely into one of the things that's been driving me nuts as someone who came into this hobby, raring to go and uh, knew exactly what he wanted to buy after extensive research and then started buying. And some of the stuff that I'm buying, specifically Chrome, um, I get them either from, you know, Facebook Marketplace or Instagram or even eBay. And they have little surface scratches. And the way that this transitions is if it's got one of those, those like raw in-person like reviews, like quick reviews, you know, chances are it's the same damn card and the same grading. Whereas I'm staring at these eBay photos and I'm like zooming in on them hardcore. My eyes like right up to the screen and sometimes you just can't see surface scratches, man. Like it's, just, it's the right light. And, you know, not always do people, they disclose that. And like, I don't know. I mean, let's talk a little bit. Like, is that common? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a smorgasbord, smorgasbord to talk about with what you just mentioned. And plus, I love the word smorgasbord. Love it. But yeah, there, there, there's, there's a ton of issues you just touched on. Is the seller being honest uh, is a big question. Uh, because they may be withholding information about the card. Um, I'm not so uh, pessimistic as to believe people all want to rip you off. There's plenty of scammers in the hobby. But don't forget, some people don't have the ability to be honest, which is to say they don't even know what they're looking for 
when it comes to describing a card, if it looks good, it looks good. They post up a scan. Yeah. It's buyer beware. Let's not forget the reason why they introduced grading in the first place. Why did they introduce grading? Where did this come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the fact that online sales became a reality in the hobby. No longer was it just about going to your local card store or meeting your buddy in person. And like exactly. There was, there was a need for a third unbiased party to come in and say, this is a nine out of a 10, or this is a 10 out of a 10. It was a huge blessing to all of us. And it's important. So I get all these people, you know, I can't do one show without someone walking by. And there are people who are nice about it. They're like, you know what? Grading's not for me. But you get this one guy who comes to the table and just looks at your stuff and goes, I hate all this, this grading. It's ruining the hobby. Really? Okay. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm not the only one to, to, to tell you this. Um, you get this guy, it's always the same, same type of dude. You know, he's around my age. He started I hate masks. What's that? I hate masks. Yeah, sure. People hate whatever they want to hate. But <laughs> the reality is, I, I get where they're coming from. This is why I don't react violently. Yeah. Because right? like I, the initial, I just want to elbow them like yeah. with a sharp Muay Thai elbow. Yeah. But I understand where they're coming from. It's kind of like they feel their hobby is being assailed by this thing that they don't understand. But it started because it was to protect the hobby and the collectors. If I could protect all these young people coming in and just wrap them in a shroud of protection, I would do it. But there's the only the only thing that we can kind of rely on is a third party. And that's why grading came to be. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the concept was to protect you and make sure you know what you're getting. So like you mentioned, it's a battleground out there. If you're purchasing online with the intent to grade, it's dangerous. Uh, I do it though. Everybody does. Um, I kind of tend to approach it like uh, if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, I knew the risk going in. Um, let me give you some tips. The basic tips would be if you see a, a seller selling raw cards that are highly desirable, and that's not to say, you know, if I'm selling a lot of cheap uh, tops baseball rookie cards, I don't think you really have to be too suspicious. But if I have a high-end card that's not graded, the first thing I'm going to do if I see that is I'm going to go into the seller's other auctions, which is very easy to do. You click view seller's other auctions. Yeah. If every card they are offering is graded, why might that one card not be graded? Okay, you see where I'm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And that's not to say that it's it's yeah. it's marked by Satan and is bent and creased. It's just to say, obviously, the guy didn't see, saw something he didn't like. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily going to be gem 10. Yeah. Uh, if I go into the guy's other auctions and they're all raw, great. So this guy's not integrating. And there's a much higher percentage chance that you might get a really clean card that will come back with a high grade. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's risky. Like you said, you get, you get a nasty surprise in the mail, scratch, a crease. Um, otherwise you have to, I, I try to be so explicit in my eBay listings. If there's a soft corner, it's not enough that I put up a photo of it. People bypass it with their eyes. You know, especially if there's an autograph, they're looking at that autograph. I will tell you that there is a soft corner or there's some issue with it. So if you are looking to get a PSA 10, two suggestions, source it yourself in person or buy it in a PSA 10. You can still do that, right? Yeah. So Because ultimately the reason why we're buying this is to make money, right? So like- Unless we're purely collecting, right? Unless yeah, we're no, I, I, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and we talked about like, and most people are both, 
And so even if like, for instance, one of the cards out that I was mentioning is uh, it's a uh, Tatis Chrome series two uh, rookie card. And yeah. uh, there's a few surface scratches. So like at the end of the day, I'm probably not going to send it in because it'll come back either like a pro- most likely a nine because it's not like it's not scratched up. Like there are a few surface scratches on this thing. The centering looks good. There's a few scratches. It will not gem. So I have two options. Number one is to send it in and get a nine, which is still pretty damn good, you know, yep. or I just keep it and the value will still increase anyway. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's still going to increase anyway. There, there, will still be a, there will still be a market. There will still there be a market. We just want the damn rookie card. Yeah. So look, quality control uh, has become a meme and a joke in some senses. Uh, Panini uh, produces a lot of product. Uh, I'm not going get, to get too, too uh, hard on them, but, you know, we've all been there. I, it happens in breaks. You're, you're, you're in a break and you hit a nice card and it's got a scratch on it. And the, and the, the breaker themselves are like, ah, you know, it's got a bit of a scratch. How do you feel it the happens. divots? Like especially oh, man. Those prisms, the little divots? Yeah, the chrome technology lends itself to all sorts of problems. It drives me nuts. Absolutely. And it's always very disappointing. That said, don't forget, don't forget, right? These are big businesses with customer service, except for this company here. This company here has decided for whatever God awful reason that I don't understand why collectors are, 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 are so okay with it. I don't understand why there's not an online revolution going on right now. They decided fuck customer service. Panini and Upper Deck do have customer service departments, and they're great, um, particularly Upper Deck. I've had nothing but success with Upper Deck. So if you were to buy a pack of that Chrome product and pull the Tatis scratched, uh, chances are you could potentially get a replacement. I'm putting that out there that people have to consider that. Um, consider reaching out to Tops. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time, effort, potentially the, the cost of shipping, but they, they can replace those cards. I'm about to, on my page, when I say about to, that probably means three weeks from now, I'm going to conduct an experiment because I pulled a damaged, a very expensive Mike Trout card that was damaged in tops. And I pulled a Tyler Harrow uh, Prism rookie card that has damage. Yeah. Uh, it's got that huge divot. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to send them in and I'm going to kind of do it as an experiment to see how these companies react and what I can get out of it. I think that's cool as um, hell. Because because again, I, I bought these products. I have the receipt. I put my hard-earned money into it. I'm hoping that at least, you know, these are, you know, they say Tops says that as long as your card is PSA 8, they're not responsible. Did you know that? So uh, as an experiment, uh, uh, another collector and myself, we sent in a bunch of the Vladdy Guerrero update rookie cards uh, from 2019. That is his flagship rookie card. Not the SP from Series 2. It's his flagship. And uh, they tend to come out with a damaged top right corner. Everybody knows this. We took the ones with the most damage and saw what Tops would say about it. They sent it right back to us with a letter saying, we feel that these cards would receive a PSA 8, so therefore enjoy. So I don't know, you know how, how people feel about that, but that's their policy. Crazy. So um, different companies, different policies, different quality control issues. Yeah. Um, some other prominent ones from this past year, Upper Deck Series 1 and 2, Young Guns had problems with the cutting, uh, uh, particularly damage on the top edge. Um, yeah, certain products get to be known for certain issues. And by the way, that kind of creates a natural control that provides value because if it's hard to get 
a card in good shape out of the pack, the PSA 10s will be worth even more. Um, so it's almost like an internal control of value. Yeah. Um, but it's never, it's never not, it's, it's never a good feeling when you're opening sealed wax and well, you get, man, you expect the best, right? That's right. Um, and that is, like you said, you're buying on eBay to try to source raw material to, to potentially grade. I think that that's tougher than buying the sealed wax. I've had some great success. Don't get me wrong, man. Um, in my, uh, last couple of submissions that came back, there were cards that I bought on the spot from people in shows and on eBay. And uh, the vast majority came back, gem in. I was very picky. Hopefully I get that mojo on ours. Would you say, what percentage of your submission this time would you say cards that you simply sourced from? I know you bought some in person and you pulled some, but what percentage did you buy off eBay or, or, on, or, on, or on Facebook or other sources? It was 100%, man. 100, would you, this whole, so this is interesting. So when we bust that open, 100, because I bought one, sorry, I lied. I bought one card in person. One card. It was a Jason Dominguez Bowman first. I think you also bought some in person from me. Maybe, but I don't know if I put them in that sub. Hmm. Maybe three. Let's say a best case scenario, I, I submitted like, like, 10. I think I saw a couple basketball because okay, so you like those, you, you like those 70, inserts. And I actually think you're gonna, I think you're going to do really well. Um, but uh, a lot of mine were sourced from sealed products and sorry, I got a call there. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're good. And I can still hear you. Um, so uh, yeah, that's generally what I go with, but I have had great success with buying online, but I've also had, it's, it's like you say, you see the photo, it looks great. It comes up. Uh, I'm a big collector of Aquino. I've been trying to source all his parallels, like the, for example, the, um, the Walgreens parallel. Yeah. And I found a perfect one came in the mail, had this scratch on the surface that there's no way you would have seen. I couldn't even get that upset at the seller because maybe he didn't see it, right? I can't just assume that uh, exactly trying to screw me over or anything yeah. like that. So sealed product is obviously the other place you go to source, um, to source stuff. Yeah. And I see a lot of basketball product where people have great success because generally speaking, it's coming out pretty nice. You will occasionally have that issue with the scratch or the divot because all that stuff is chrome, right? Um, people clean cards. I, I don't know how much you know about that. Uh, I am, this guy's literally texting me about buying card savers. <laughs> I need the, I hope he buys them. I'm not going to stop the podcast to tell this guy to buy card savers, but we need them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, what did I just say, Brendan? What did I just ask you? You, uh, we talked a little bit about King, Aquino. Aquino, and then we talked about the sealed product, right? Um, we talked about the fact that a lot of stuff comes out nice. We talked yeah. about cleaning cards. I'm cleaning not an cards. expert in cleaning cards. Yeah. I have wiped cards before, of course. Uh, Me, with my cards, man. Yeah, yep. I've, I cleaned a couple of years because yeah. what I was doing was I was removing um smegma from your cards okay it was some sort of schmeg really hope it wasn't card and i've pulled cards out of packs that have schmeg where did the schmeg come from i don't know i really like my cards but not that much right it comes from the same place that the uh the 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 random little hairs come from you know i don't know but but i have cleaned cards in that sense i've not attempted to remove scratches and from what i hear some of these companies actually have some protocols where they can tell if you've cleaned a card um 
again, I'm, I'm not, to me, that becomes so mechanical and robotic. Like, what are we doing here? Remove yeah. from pack, clean, card saver, grade, yeah. bank account. This is something that brings me pleasure and enjoyment. I don't yeah. want it to become that robotic. But yes, uh, that's a thing. Cleaning, apparently you may be able to remove scratches. Uh, I don't think you and I want to be responsible for leading anyone down. A I was weird... just about to say, let's not even bring that up because right. then someone's yeah. going to be like, just legitimate, legitimate, legitimate. Like absolutely. Curling. They're going to be curling their cards, you know? Yep, absolutely. And then they, they're like, the cardboard coaches all are telling me they're all. coaching me and I've ruined my cards. So, Speaking and that would be coaching. worst case scenario, worst case scenario. Um, so you've got your cards, you are looking them over. You are not just throwing every card out there. I know people who just like, you know, I like Bobichet, and I'm going to take 50 of the Bobichet cards and I'm sending them in. Yeah. You look at them. Did you decide which ones were the best? That takes an entire evening for me to sit down. Again, I don't need the NASA space age telescope. Yeah. I have a loop. I have, I try to find good lighting. Unlike the lighting I have right now. Um, and oh, I yeah. look and I use years of, previous experience with the grading companies to look for what I'm looking for. And if I have a stack of 50 bows, 30 to 35 max are going to go. Yeah. So be, be picky, look at corners, look at edges, angle your card, something that looks great at one angle, you angle it. All of a sudden you see the cut is not very good. You don't want any surprises when people do their PSA reveals. This is the thing that gets me. Oh man, I got a 10. I can't believe it. Oh, I got a seven. I can't believe it. How do you not believe it? What process did you use that you are shocked that you got a 10 or a seven? Throwing shit at the wall and hopefully something sticks. Right. And listen, if that works for someone, that's not for me, especially you and I are spending a lot of money on submissions. Yeah. That number is a scary number on our latest one. Um, I, I'm not just trying to stick it to the wall. I want to have a good idea of what I'm expecting. And I usually get exactly that. Yeah. Um, if, uh, uh, there was an autograph, there was an older hockey autograph. I got back and it came back a seven and it, that was definitely a surprise. And I looked it over, looked it over, looked it over. And it actually got to the point where I had to crack it out of the case. And I got a closer look and there was a little divot that I'd missed. So everything makes sense. I'm never truly shocked yeah. by that sort of thing. Right. Um, so look over your cards, yep. uh, pre prepare them properly sleeve into a card saver yeah, right last month psa did announce that they're okay with top loaders because of the you there you go card saver saver ones people and uh you know psa recognized that there was a bit of a supply chain issue they were uh, nice enough to be okay with top loaders. some of our sub came in top loaders all of mine but generally speaking and i think that was a good a good look for you as well because you realize like, you know, in card savers, something that's this big in card savers becomes this big in top loaders. So you're going to be able to ship in a smaller box, save a little bit. And they're very secure, man. The other thing is, if there is a bit of a divot, not a divot, but if there is a bit of an upturning of a corner, you're really flattening it in that card saver. Um, whereas a, a, a top loader kind of gives it room to breathe. Yeah. So it's a really great way to get your card safely, securely to PSA in the best shape possible yeah man do we want to talk about the best ways to do cardio what do we want to do right now so transitioning into the fitness 
Let's we, do we it. We got to come up with a transition kind That's of thing. Okay. We'll like come a, up with it. You know, gotta be like a theme. You gotta be along for the ride. I start posing. Full transition. Um, that's right. We got a transition. transition. Um, but, you know, we are looking to maximize the value of our collections. We're also trying to maximize our health and fitness. Damn right we are. So that we could all be macho men. By the way, I'm wearing this macho man t-shirt today in, rec in, in, in recognition of our favorite Randy. And that's Randy Arosarena. Bless that man and right. how he's going to bless my life. The real macho man. I'm not, no, no disrespect to the actual macho man. I love him. I love the original Macho Man. I've got the LJN on the shelf over there. But Randy Rosarena, my goodness, what a performance in the World awesome. Series. Unreal. Um, if that carries on, we've got a hobby superstar that may potentially eclipse some of these big names that we already have our eyes on, like Soto, Acuna, Tatis. And the guy's just, to me at least, he's engaging. He's got a big smile. He seems to be enjoying himself. I'm telling you, man, that team and a Rosarena. Super fun to watch. Makes sense. Um, Next year. Now, those guys are very fit. They take care of themselves. So we talked a little bit about nutrition in the last episode, episode two of Cardboard Coaches. Let's talk a little bit about cardio and strength training. Um, and uh, these are really important elements. Uh, I have a lot to say about certain parts of them. I want you to start us off. Yeah. Brendy, just, you know, to make sure I don't kind of completely take over here. No, but, no, I get uh, it, man. Give us your thoughts on... Again, the first thing we ask is, why are we discussing this? We're discussing this because we all need to be healthier. We all need to uh, take care of ourselves. As hobbyists and collectors, we're in weird positions. We are you know, concerned about posture and core. That's why we're doing this. And uh, so what would you say, Brendan, to someone who's coming in? It is an intimidating world. There's so many different exercises, so many different programs. What would you say is a important focus? So first off, I would honestly find someone who you are trusting in, um, who seems like they are on the same level as you, at least, uh, you know, emotionally, spiritually, maybe you share the same values as cheesy as all this shit sounds, because there are so many different opinions out there. Okay. There are so many people that are going to tell you this is the quick fix or this is, first of all, you know what, how will I just like cut myself off right there? If anyone says that all you have to do is this, don't listen to them because it's bullshit and it's some new ploy and uh, it's going to be really cute. And you might get really good results for like a month, two months, but ask yourself, is this sustainable? Someone tells you to eat nothing but chicken and broccoli that sounds miserable. That sounds awful. All right. So with respect to cardio, if someone's telling you that you need to go on two hour walks or hikes or whatever the case may be, unless you want to do that, don't listen to the person. Um, also with respect to cardio, the best form of cardio, in my honest opinion, is whatever you enjoy. Okay. Straight up. Because cardio, cardio can be awful. You know, some people hate cardio and especially if you're just getting started, Find something you like doing. Walk to your local card shop. Walk to your buddy's house. You know, like do little things like that. Maybe eventually progress into, you know, jogging. Like it, it's whatever. Ultimately, we need to aim to be 1% better than we were yesterday. And if yesterday you went for a five minute walk and tomorrow you go for a 10 minute walk, let me tell you something. If you keep going by even like 1% and like now you're at 11, 11 minutes and 30 seconds and, and so on and so forth, I promise you, you're going to get better to the point where you're no longer intimidated. 
Don't try to go from zero to 100 because nobody's successful at going from zero to 100. It's all about the marginal process. Think about when you started collecting. There's like, you don't just go from not having a collection to buying a trout rookie. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a process. I mean, I mean, like if you're stupid rich, of course. Right. And if you're stupid rich, you can just get liposuction and then you don't have to hear about our, our beautiful uh, little podcast here. That would be the equivalent. You know? So if, if you're in this for the process, just be, try to be 1% better every day and make moves that are going to make you successful and happy. Ultimately, we just got to be happy. Find a way to make yourself happy with what you're doing. And that being said, no amount of liposuction, no amount of implants are going to help you with actual strength or with posture and that sort of thing. Um, so I love what you're talking about uh, with the cardio. I think that's the best advice that you can give someone kind of new to the game. And if you're a little bit more advanced, perhaps you already have a strength training program going on of some sort, or you're thinking about it, you can start to get in some more advanced cardio concepts, kind of dividing the line between burning calories and actually burning fat. So anyone who is already in a strength training program, I tell them that in my opinion, and based on, and again, studies are studies, and that's fine. You and I read all the time. um, And you'll hear a mishmash of differing opinions and different, differing studies, but I've been doing this a long time. Brendy, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, we have clientele. We have literally, I, I mean, my binders, uh, we have results. And the results tell me if you're already doing a strength training program, when you get done with that strength training, you have a window where your metabolism is boosted. You've already burnt you know, the glycogenic calories that you needed in the strength training. And if you perform cardio, so for example, hopping on a rower, going for a run, getting on a treadmill right after the strength training routine, tacking on another, say, 20, 30 minutes, you're going to very effectively burn fat. Another way to do it is on an empty stomach in the morning, which a lot of people would have trouble with. If you're starting your routine tomorrow, I would die. how would you feel if I said, hey, listen, wake up in the morning and go for a run? People are going to hate that. Yeah. If you progress to that point, congratulations, you will be putting yourself in a great position where you boost your metabolism for the rest of the day and you did burn fat and not just the calories that you took in. Yep. I have a big dinner, run on the treadmill. I'm just burning those calories, right? Um, strength training. Let's talk about strength training, Brendan. Compound movements. That Deadlifts, squats. Bread and butter, man. Multiple joints, multiple muscle groups. You are not going to start doing bicep curls on day one, okay? Um, I'm old. Maybe at I've the end of day one. What's that? Maybe at the end of day one, if there's like sure. six exercises before it. Yep, smaller muscle groups to finish. Listen. I'm old now. I, I have a lot more of a keen eye towards joint health, overall strength and core strength. That's what we really need to focus on as we get older. Uh, gone are the days where I'm really concerned about biceps, lats, and traps. Although your traps look wonderful, Brendan. Um, that being said, that's why compound movements come into play, uh, producing real strength, producing real postural gains, and affecting muscle on a holistic level on your body. So I tell people, learn these lifts. And uh, I know people who have successfully done it on their own. I'm not one of these trainers who's telling you, you have to have a trainer. Or Will to be you with go- me for your whole life. You know what I mean? Like that's, I would rather like someone I train move on and, and just like learn it through their eyes. You know what I mean? Like, cause that, then that means that, lo- that we actually did our jobs. You know, if sure. you have someone that never really takes it in, then they, they can't afford to, to continue or, you know, life gets busy. And they yep. fall off. I feel awful. 
You know what I mean? I think that's important for people who plan to train for a certain period of time. Yeah. Uh, look, I have lifers that have been with me, me for too. years. And they are, they are some of the most successful people because they, they keep going, they keep getting pushed. But um, it's so crucial early on if you're going to make that investment. Brendan, did you have a trainer? I'm going to be honest, I didn't. But that's because I went through years of failing. And, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. A trainer. You know what I mean? I was also I surrounded by trainers. I, I mean, I'm sure I helped you on some level. Until I became a trainer. Right. You were surrounded by trainers. I have had personal training. I wanted to learn Olympic lifting properly and not hurt myself. I think you remember. I think yeah. you were around when I was doing that. Yeah. Point is, um, that's when you, you want someone when you're just getting started, starting something new, or when you're endeavoring to do something difficult and important. Um, that's why I talk about the deadlifts and the squats. Oh, there's so many Instagram accounts with these, with these Insta girls. They, they don't know how to squat. Okay. And then therefore you're not going to learn how to squat. Find good resources to learn how to squat and deadlift. We all need to be doing that. Also, can we talk really quickly about how just because someone's really fit doesn't necessarily mean that they're really good at training other people? Absolutely. You know I mean? 100%. Like, works for them doesn't work for everybody. So that's right. Like, and uh, you don't idolize this person's physique, but you don't have to listen to everything they say with gospel because they've probably been doing it for like 10. 15, 20 years, maybe, you know what I mean? And they themselves may be artificially enhanced and create a scenario where you as the average person with the average amount of testosterone will never be able to really fully replicate what they're doing. And it's almost like false advertising. That being said to each his own, I'm still trying not to be, I'm trying to be Mr. Positivity today. Uh, This not to say that steroids are bad. If you are doing them properly, and you have medical supervision, more power to you. Some people do competitions where it's pretty much needed. Um, some people need it when they're older, more power to you. But the average person, the, 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 I think the collectors that we're trying to talk to want to just build a little bit of muscle, build up their posture. And I'm telling you right now that that is best achieved through compound movements and great programs. We will talk about programs in future episodes. 100%. We'll be taking questions that I think, I think that's kind of an important element to learn okay. what people want to know about the yeah. most. Um, but I would say, again, we covered some good bases here in terms of the cardio, getting up and moving, um, seeking information when it comes to good strength training. That is to say, like I said, uh, compound movements. So, yeah. so crucial. And, um, and picking the right resources. Damn right. Like we touched on, right? Love it. So Brandon, I think that's pretty good for today. I think our, our people are going to be taken care of. Sure. We don't want to keep you too long, Brendan. You've been a busy guy. You've been moving, and I'm pretty sure you're still not done yet. Pretty slammed. So uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I will be announcing a giveaway for cardboard coaches that hopefully will be able to culminate next week. Damn, I'm excited. And I will also be hosting uh, a break on my page soon. It's a very good, uh, a very popular basketball product yeah, right now. It, eh? Prism from 1920. Oh, he's going to do it. There you go. There you go. I'm more of a hockey guy. Uh, but I love seeing people uh, score big on that sort of stuff. And I'm happy to provide that. I happen to have uh, a bunch of basketball product from much earlier in the year. And I, I, uh, I love having fun on IG live. I've done some young guns, fire sales and some other smaller breaks. So hopefully that will go well. I've learned from some of the best electric cards. I want to give him a uh, free shout out right now. Really some of the best breaks online. I think you did one of his breaks, a football break. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, having had uh, experiences with some of the better breakers out there, I think I can bring some elements of that experience to the collecting world. Yeah, right. 
You got anything you want to shout out or talk about real quick, Brent? No, team. I'm uh, I'm pretty good. I'm excited. Uh, you guys are going to see the progression in my space. You'll hear about it. If you don't already, follow me on Instagram at Coach Co or at Coach Co Collectibles. If you're listening to us on Spotify, check us out on YouTube as well. It's Coach Co. There you can see what you hear, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can get to know our faces and our stupid, uh, you know, motions, whatever the hell you want to call them. You know, stupidity we get into. Absolutely. We all do. We all get into some stupidity here and there. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, feel free to drop into our DMs with any questions about fitness. Today's topic, grading. We are here to help. Uh, I myself uh, am not uh, sort of like a PSA authorized dealer. I'm looking into it, but I'm more than happy to help anyone on any level. I have sent in some cards for people in the past. Anything you need help with, we're here to help. We just want to help. We're the Cardboard Coaches. Damn right we are. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Signing off. Peace, y'all.